Welcome to HubShots episode 62, the podcast for marketing managers who use HubSpot or are considering using HubSpot. My name's Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Yeah, really good. Another kind of muggy day in Sydney, and we've just had thunderstorms. That's Who would right. have thought it? At the start of the day, it was so hot, and now it's, yeah, raining. I know. Well, there you go. Recording this on Monday, the 5th of December, so the countdown to Christmas, gee, not far away. 20 days, Craig, 20 days. Do we have a Christmas countdown timer? <laughs> we should, shouldn't we? Oh, that's, that's covered, yeah. Uh, although we did update the inbound countdown timer, so you can always check that out because it's never too early to get in and excited for inbound 2017. That's right, and really there's probably only 10 months to inbound. And you know what? That's only 10 more months that we'll be talking about inbound 2016. There are so many highlights. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. And here's the first highlight from our inbound thought of the week. And this is to do with the keynote from Charles Duhigg. Now, he's written two books, as far as I know, and one was to do with the power of habit, and the other one was to do with... Uh, business efficiency, working smarter, harder, productively. Yeah. That's correct. But I really I really love this session at Inbound. It taught me lots of things. And here are some of my highlights. He pointed out that people think differently, and one of the really key things that he said was that the most productive people think more deeply. Yeah, he had a bunch of really good insights. You know, I've, I've actually read both of his books yes. and I read the first one there a day or two before because I got, uh, got there early and I could not put it down. It was a fantastic yeah, right. book. And then I read his second one just recently when I got back. Not as good but still really good. Okay. Tons of really good uh, insights there on how people think and the habits. And, yeah, he brought some of these out in the keynote. Now, his session isn't yet available up on content.inbound.com but when it is, definitely. Well worth a watch, Definitely must see, yeah. Yeah. So I think when I think about people thinking, like I think that's a real key. It's about thinking deeply, having time to think. I know we live in this very distracted world where we've got things buzzing, social media buzzing for our attention, emails, calls, text messages, WhatsApp messages. And I think really as people we need to actually think about how we can actually stop that and have time to actually think. So even like when you're driving in the car, even have time periods of time where you don't turn on the radio, you just have time to think and be still. I think that's totally right. And a lot of the um, leaders, uh, when I read about them, normally on Medium, have I mentioned Medium before? Oh, I think you have. You <laughs> yeah, normally when I'm reading about them and their habits, a lot of them, you know, Bill Gates and all of these others, they take time out just to think deeply, as you say. So it's, it's definitely something that works for a lot of people. So something I'm trying to incorporate into my life, I know you're trying to do it as well. And it's not just about, you know, spiritual or life thing. It's about marketing and everything, design, all these productivity, the way we plan our days at work, all mm. those kinds of things. And I think his session was excellent for highlighting that. And I know you've got one example that he brought out. Yeah, and we both watched these, some videos. But it was, it was a learning from there's a Qantas flight that had to make an emergency landing because one of the engines kind of imploded. And it was Qantas flight 32 and there was a – pilot well the captain on board was Richard de Crepnier. and really he was giving us an example about how he went about thinking and how he solved the problem that was in front of him and if you do a search online you'll find some really good videos we watched two of them two parts of an ABC documentary but one of the things that he really highlighted is that as the captain he said people tell them stories about what to expect. So all through that situation that they were having, he was basically playing to himself 
what to expect if certain things were going to happen. And he already knew that. And he, and he did that actually even before he got on the plane, I believe. So he was always prepared for whatever was coming his way. Obviously, on this particular day where QF32 had this engine malfunction and lots of other systems malfunctioned, there were other things going on, which things that they had never seen. And it was really interesting to watch, watch him talk about it and see the reaction. One thing he did mention, and I'm not going to touch on this, but he talks about a cognitive tunnel. So I'll encourage you to go and have a look at it. And another thing is that can we pivot ourselves so we put ourselves back in charge of a situation or are we helpless in that place where we're stuck or we're in a pickle, let's say? Um, can we actually put ourselves back in charge? I thought that was a really key thing about how do we actually do that? Do we have a way to do that? Do we have a process to get there? Yeah, that's really good. And cognitive tunnel, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's when you go down a path because you can't get out of it. You get trapped into going down this path and then leading to a destination which you shouldn't get to. And his whole point was around taking that step back. And if you've anticipated these things beforehand, you've told yourself these stories or worked through the narratives in your mind beforehand, much easier to avoid those circumstances. Yeah. And finally, he constantly challenges mental models. So I thought that was also really key. It's about what is he thinking about and how does he do the thinking? So obviously when he's getting on a plane, there's a certain way he does his thinking because he's thinking about, you know, how am I going to get this plane off the ground? What happens if things fail? What happens when when I land and I've got no brakes and I've got engines on fire? He's always he's running through these situations or these models that he can change. Yeah, it's excellent. You know, we, we should have um, the Charles Duhigg countdown timer because I can't wait till this one's available. I'm going to watch his session again. So definitely check content.inbound.com for that coming up in the current weeks. And then I uh, can check out his books and there's plenty of TED Talks and things like that where he speaks as well. Fascinating speaker, highly recommended. He needs to keep the beard, Craig. He does. <laughs> you know... <laughs> Isn't that interesting perception? Sorry, listeners, total aside, There's you see photos of him with a beard and without yes. a beard, and without a beard he looks like a little boy, and with a beard he looks really authoritative, right? And we were saying, same guy, same content, same insights. Exactly. One you trust and have a lot more authority in, isn't it? Uh, there you go. All right, two other things from uh, Inbound Thought of the Week. Alec Baldwin's keynote is up. But it's yeah, available. we're not really going to discuss that in the show, but no. it's there if you want to see it. He's an entertaining speaker. He was great. And we'll point you also to Rosalia Cephalou's session. Now, she was on our podcast a little while back when she was actually here in Sydney. She's now in Boston. And she talks a lot about sales enablement. So we'd encourage you to actually go click that link and go and actually watch that video of Rosalia. Yeah, she's great. All right, Craig, onto our HubSpot feature tip of the week. And this is actually a continuation from last week about lead flows. You've done some testing and you've had some pretty amazing results. Yeah, so I'll just talk about lead flows. We introduced it um, last week and we've had a week now just testing on a few client sites. And, I, and so first of all, I'll tell you the good and then I'll tell you the bad. Okay, so first of all, in case you didn't hear last week, lead flows, they're a part of HubSpot. Uh, so if you've the, got the full marketing package, you've got lead flows in there. They're also a part of a marketing free. So they're a, a um, similar kind of concept. And you can have these kind of pop-ups or I don't like pop-ups. So I just use the slide-ins. Slide in. They just slide in nicely from the bottom right corner. They don't um, block out your screen or anything like that. And you can push them out of the way if you want to. So what we've been doing is going through customer sites and adding these to pages, blog posts, and even uh, some of the main site pages. 
But the key thing that we're doing is we're creating tons of different lead flows and we're targeting them to each page or post. So in some cases, we're creating a lead flow per blog post where the lead flow has a call to action that is tailored to the content of the blog post. So that's the key in my mind, really tailoring the call to action. And so in one example, which is probably the the really positive one, we've had more than 30 leads just in the week from, and we've only put it like on their top uh, 10 pages, right? So this is not in their entire site. That's a really good result. Now that's on top of all their other leads, right? So this is additional 30 leads for the way. Now this is a B2B by, by the way, so enterprise um, kind of client. So in that kind of scenario, I mean, 30 leads might not sound a lot, but for them, if they get say hundred leads a month, that's actually a good result to get an extra 30 in a week is really good, right? And we'll see how, how it continues. That's one client. So that's probably the success story. Other clients we've done it on, I've had one where I got six leads and one I got one, okay? So the point here to tell the listeners is you've really got to test and measure. You don't just think, oh, lead flows, guaranteed result, no worries. You've actually got to really test them. So when the customer we've only got one, we're kind of like, what is going on? We're obviously not targeting that offer well enough to the content that it's appearing on, right? These don't, their problem is not traffic. They're getting lots of traffic. Uh, so we've got to work out what is the problem. Is it the offer that we're doing or is it maybe the, the user experience on the page, that kind of thing. But I thought I'd just mention that. It's all really about targeting. And when the success has been there, it's because it's been really targeted. I thought I'd also just mention a bit of a gotcha because previously we've actually had lead-in on same sites where we do have HubSpot because we've had lead-in to do these kinds okay. of things. And the real gotcha is if you still have both those plugins working on WordPress, you've actually got to turn the lead-in one off and just run lead flows from HubSpot now. So that's a bit of a gotcha. Otherwise, you'll be wondering why your lead flows yeah. aren't working. So that's a really good update. Thank you, Craig. Craig, on to our challenge of the week. And I, I'll, I'll put this as a challenge because I've had a few people recently make irrational decisions about things that we're doing in marketing without having any substance to it. Right. And one thing I realized I didn't have and I've started to do is actually, so I thought, how do we solve this problem? Have a brief that we're working to. So this way you can actually go back to that brief and you can say, look, we decided on this time, at this time, this is what the outcome was and this is why we went down this path and this is the result of it. So it then doesn't become subjective. And I think if I tie that back to even inbound, so, you know, like we're talking to one of our colleagues today, having personas, it's really important to run your persona workshop, have those personas constantly work on them and tie back everything you do back to those personas. Because I think that's the key. Like if things are not working in your inbound campaign is that you either haven't fleshed out your personas correctly or you create the wrong type of content and you don't know where in the funnel people are to actually target them. So I think, again, here's one of those points where you can be doing lots of stuff but have no result. And we've had that with a customer of ours. Uh, I'm talking from personal experience, you know, like so even if you've got people, your team working on it, you need to have a handle on what's going on and where people are going. Yeah, look, I totally relate to that. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners can relate to that as well. It just, it's almost like it just turns into busy work for the sake of doing it. But exactly. Do you have a specific example in mind of some something irrational someone suddenly decided to do for no good reason? Oh, yeah, they'll probably decide they want to change all their advertising, which hasn't been running long enough to get enough data. They're like, oh, that's not working. Let's change that. And I'm like, no, we haven't collected enough data to actually make a choice about 
is this actually a good choice or is it a bad choice? Right. Have, we, have, we, have we driven enough traffic? And if we haven't driven enough traffic, why haven't we driven enough traffic? Yeah, good example. So, so that's a really good one. And I think in our tips later on, I think one of the things that are really highlighted to me is like doing a content audit and then tie that back to a content plan. So when you're doing this work, you can tie it back to the content plan, which then relates back to your personas. And I think that's a real big key thing. Yeah, excellent. Excellent recommendation. All right. On to our stat of the week, Craig. And this is to do with uh, holiday shopping. So 76% of people who search for something nearby on their smartphone visited a related business within a day and 28% of the searches resulted in a purchase. That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredibly high. It is. And this is from Think with Google and this is a marketer's guide to holiday super shoppers. Just understand as more and more people are going about doing what they're doing, they have this behaviour and I think I described it last week was Yelp. What do we do? We searched and we went to a local business that served different cuisine and we, we were there, right? So this is a perfect example. It's about convenience, proximity, ease of doing business. And I think this, this, this is what this shows is that people will shop local. If it's available and if it's convenient, they will, go, well, they will come there. Yeah, you know what I think is interesting about this because uh, I, I don't want to say I'm old, but I'm older, right? And so I know the trends that mobile first is going on, has been for years and that. But it's actually, and this will sound strange to, to say or to hear, but it's not until you actually get into that behaviour yourself, exactly what you're saying. You do start using Google or Yelp or something to do something, you realise, oh, you can never go back, right? And the reason I'm saying this is because I suspect many marketing managers, maybe if they're older, and, you know, by older, I mean no longer in their 20s, they don't yet appreciate just how much this is just normal behaviour. They think, oh, I could go to my phone as a last resort. And I think I'm slightly, you know, slow to come out of this and kind of appreciate that. And when I see stats like this, okay, that is incredible, but it's not until you actually have that as part of your normal behaviour, you realise, oh, yeah, actually that is what's happening now. Yeah, I'll, I'll use an example. I've been looking for a car recently, right, for my wife, and I went into a dealership. I drove the car. I, I had researched it online already. I'd gone into car sales. I'd done a search. I knew what was going on. I, I then asked the person in sales, I said, because he rattled off to me a price, I then said, I went, okay, well, I'm like, how far is this going to ride? Because, I mean, I've got it on my phone with the price of the car and that is the exact car with the same registration. I said, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I have seen this car online at this price. And he was he looked at me in shock. Like it was like six or $7,000 less than what he told me. And I was like, here it is. I said, it's got the same registration as I just drove. I said, uh, are you going to tell me otherwise? I said, I'm not going to sit here and bargain with you when already online it's at this price. I said, so I either want that price or I want it better. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Like it's a whole other dynamic going on because I've just used my smartphone <laughs> to basically show this guy something else. And then, of course, he came back with his, oh, the manager put that on and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it was interesting. Like I've just gone through this process where I've seen myself doing exactly this kind of behaviour about deciding where I'll go, who I'll talk to, because I can see it online. Yeah, there's so much power in your pocket with your phone these days. And then I think we kind of understand that when we've got our consumer hat on. But when we've got our marketer's hat on, we don't quite appreciate, yeah, that everyone else is doing that as well. It's mm. not like it's different. 
And I used to think um, my behaviour used to be, let's say, buying books. Um, I used to, oh, I'll, I'll find it on my phone and add it to a wish list. Once I get back to my laptop, then I'll go on and purchase it, like online. It's like, actually, no, now I just buy it on my phone as well. Yes. As obvious as that sounds, that was actually a key behaviour change. And it was only like a year or two that that actually switched for me. And so just realising actually understanding those behavioural changes. It's really hard as a marketer to appreciate that until you do it yourself. And I think this stat that you've raised is incredible because it's basically saying that people are searching on their phone and then they're going there nearby and then more than a quarter are actually purchasing and like a 25% conversion rate. It's just showing, okay, you've actually got to get that mobile local SEO piece going. You've got to make sure you're advertising the right time, the right place to those people because the, tran- the the time between search and transaction is diminishing as well. It's no longer, oh, okay, I'll check that out on the weekend. It's I'm right here now. I'm ready to purchase. So that purchase intent piece, that's so crucial. I, I Hopefully I'm just saying really obvious things to people yeah, listening. So, but yeah. so as a business owner, I mean, one of the key things that I can't remember, I was reading it somewhere as well, it's like have the stock. So have stock in your if you're a retail store, have stock that people can buy because there's nothing worse than searching, finding it, and then getting there and going, oh, there's nothing left. Yes, that's right. So that's a real key. And I think like with these kind of statistics, like it's always interesting when people have physical locations that people go to to buy or to have a service rendered to them is actually ask the person how did they actually get there because, see, they might have done a search and just think about now if we look at things like, on your ad, you can put your address, you can put a number, you can put all these different things. Like they might have actually never clicked anything. They might have actually seen the result on Google in the local search, for example, and they would have actually just gone, oh, yeah, that's not that far away. I'll click on the details to get the map and then I'll walk into your store. And that would not register as a conversion anywhere. So you've got to actually ask people. And it was quite interesting. I don't think this guy ever asked me, how did I come in, like, how did I find them or why did I come in in my whole conversation with him? Yeah, well, it's not important because it's, it's, it's only a very expensive purchase exactly. of a new car. <laughs> why would I want that detail? So I think that those are the key things. Like if you're a business owner or you're marketing, you need to have all of these things actually sewn up because if you don't, you'll kind of realise, you'll go, okay, well, I know 10 people bought this. And then you'll go, oh, but hang on, only eight people click the ad or you know, two people came to the site, but the numbers don't add up. So I think it's really key. Ask everybody, where did they find you? What did they do? And even if they're savvy and you can actually ask them more stuff, it's like, hey, how long ago did you actually start searching for this? Did you visit other sites? Did you actually visit our website 10 times? Which if you have HubSpot, you can tell. But, you know, like this is all key information because if you think that a certain buying choice is taking two months then you should really start doing your advertising two months ago. And I think a really another key thing that I realized, like today I did a search for a customer of mine. I got the option for the, I saw the map option and I've got Google Maps and Apple Maps. I actually clicked the Apple Map result. I got this page, which gave me their location, their number, their website. And I clicked the number and the number, when I when it dialed, said, can't, can't reach the business. Oh, no. So the number's wrong. So, again, a tip here is go back through all of these online listings or things like Apple Maps, Google Maps. Check that your numbers are correct because on mobile devices, what do people do? They're going to take the first best result they can get. 
And when they can't get through to you, they'll just go, oh, I'll just search for somebody else and go to. Actually, that's a really good point. And note to self, I have to find out where Apple Maps gets its data from. Yes. So there, uh, this is a little addition to the notes. Yeah. I actually logged into Apple Maps the other day for because a client had an exact issue. And I actually went and claimed my listing and their listing. And I actually updated it. And wow. it actually went through a verification okay, process. Okay, cool. So Apple Maps has their own process. Because, yeah, I guess we know how to do the Google Maps and the Bing Maps ones, but Apple Maps, of course. Yes. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Nice one. Great tip. All right. On to our opinion of the week, Craig. And this is to do with um, inbound 2016 marketing experts. Yeah. So basically there's two parts to this opinion piece. The first is I'll just tell you the, the blog post to go and read because it's excellent. But the second is I'll give you the opinion. Now, the, the, it's a wrap-up of inbound 2016 and it's an excellent post. Uh, it's on the Mention uh, blog, mention.com, and uh, they – basically looked at some of the, the uh, popular uh, talks at Inbound and then had quick on-the-fly interviews with some of the speakers, so David Mim and Scott, uh, Gary Vee, all of those there, and they pulled out some great insights. It's a really good blog post, uh, and you should go and read it. You'll uh, get value out of it. But that's not the reason I've raised it here in Opinion of the Week. The reason is because when you go and look at it, it's an excellent post, long, um, lots of insights, lots of different formats, you know, authoritative people involved, you look at the end and there's not a single comment. And they say, you know, leave your comment, what did you learn? And I'm finding this more and more, like really popular blogs and things like they have no comments. People don't want to engage anymore. And I think the conversation is moving up. This is why this is in opinion of the week. And so we actually had one of our customers, this actually happened a month or two ago, they said, oh, I know we've got this comment plug-in at the bottom of our blog post, but we're not getting any uh, comments. Should we just take it off? I said, no, of course we should let we should keep it there and let people engage. And then I was like, well, hang on, why? And I think this is an important question. Why? Why would you keep the comments? So actually what we've done, we've actually started taking comments off some client sites. And you know what else we're taking off? Social sharing plugins. Really? Yeah, for a couple of reasons. And we've thought about this. We may be wrong and uh, just take this with a grain of salt. It's in Opinion of the Week, by the way, but um, for that reason. So it's not a tip of the week, it's Opinion of the Week. But this whole idea that... Um, of having social proof, if you've got every blog post that's got no comments and it's got maybe low shares, actually wondering if that detracts from the perceived mm. authority of the piece. And so we've started taking them off because it's, well, one, it's a better experience too because often the social plugins slow things down and things like that and it's just more visual clutter. And, yeah, too, it's just like it's not actually adding any value so why don't you strip it away? Aim for simplicity. So I just thought I'd put that out there as an opinion. That's something that we're doing with some client sites, not all, so yep. don't consider it a rule. But, yeah, something to consider in your own website um, development. All right, Craig, on to our pro tip of the week. And this I thought, <laughs> I actually read it in a – it's something I've been thinking about for a while, but I actually read it in a customer blog from HubSpot. It's about long-term content marketing. And I just chose one bit out of it and it's to – I thought – being end of year, now over the next couple of weeks is probably a good time to perform an end of year content audit. And the goal with this audit is to actually help you identify all of your marketing assets that you have at your dis- disposal and potentially identify gaps or opportunities in your content strategy. And after you've done this, you'll be able to identify which resources that you already have, which could save you hours of content creation time in the future and not duplicating your efforts. So one of the pro tips actually in here, 
And this is more to do with the tool, is how to organize and name your files will have a big impact on your ability to, to find those files down the road and confidently understand what content they contain. When uploading or reviewing assets in your file manager, you should be consistent and descriptive in naming and organizing files so that it's obvious where to find specific data and what the files contain. So this is really important with images especially. Yeah, look, I think it's a really good piece you've pulled out here from the HubSpot blog. And I'll make a comment around content audits uh, just so that in case um, you weren't aware of it, they're hard work, they take a lot of effort. Yes. They're not a five-minute task. And every fiber of your being will be saying, I don't want to do this. Okay, so let's not kid around. This is not one of those fun things that you you look forward to, the content (laughs) audit. It is hard work. And because it's hard work, hardly anyone does it. So if you do it, you're actually at an advantage. If it was easy, everyone would do it. But uh, you're at an advantage and it pays off. And I really like there's a quote in there uh, where they basically said, look, doing your, getting your content strategy and getting it all right is kind of like a savings account. Got to contribute to it regularly and make sure it's you know going to pay off in the future. And I think that's a really good um, analogy very, for, yeah. for the effort that you put in. It pays off. Absolutely. So I encourage everyone to do that or do it early January. And I think you'll see the benefit in 2017. Or if you really don't want to do it, hire an agency to do it for you. There you go. That's right. All right, on to our resource of the week, Craig. This is about B2B content marketing. There's a blog on the WordStream. Yeah, we we, we love uh, the WordStream blog because we love Larry Kim, don't we? So, um, But he didn't write this particular post, but it actually comes from WordStream. And it's really good. It's uh, I like these posts because this is a comprehensive post. What is B2B marketing? How does it differ from B2C? Um, how do you plan content, how do you promote it, uh, and give me some examples of it done well. So this is just one of those good meaty posts that you should read every so often um, because you think you know it, but then you read it again and you go, oh, yeah, I forgot that last time. That's I'll have to reintroduce that. So just a good uh, resource for people to read. By the way, I had very little comments on that one as well. Yes. Great post. I think it was, what did you say, one comment? Correct, yeah. one comment. So, again, there's something to look out for. All right, Craig, on to our Chrome extension of the week. A new shot. I thought I'd add Chrome extension, and this is just um, Toby. Yeah. Uh, get Toby. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. Oh, In fact, while I was looking at this, I'm just, I just actually added it to Chrome. Yeah. Because like, I suffer from this. Yeah. What I've started doing is grouping. It's, it's almost like a bit of um, bookmark groups. Yes. And it's just a nice way of arranging them and syncing them and things like that. But I just wanted a way where I could have kind of workspaces of a, a set of tabs and all logged into various accounts and then just close that and then open again later. So as a marketing manager, you might find that useful if you're you know, switching between social accounts, those kind of things. So give it a go. It's fantastic, Craig. Thanks for that tip. All right, on to our mobile app of the week, and this is a mobile app called Soon. Yeah, this is basically a bucket list for all your um, things that you want to do, books to read, movies you want to watch, and podcasts you want to listen to. We'll give you one in a second, but it's great because it's not just like a a list app like most of them, but let's say there's books you want to read. You go in and you search for the book, and it actually looks up. It's got it pulls in all these data from different APIs, like I might pull in from Goodreads, and you go, oh, yeah, I'll add that to my list. Movies, you start typing in the oh, there it is, you know. TV shows, Westworld, I want to I want to start watching. Bang, puts it in your kind of bucket list of shows to watch. So really cool. Also searches all the podcasts. So, yeah, you can go and put in that. There you go. You might find that a useful little app. 
Now, does it? Um, are you able to share it with your friends, or can you see what your friends are doing? Is that it, part of the deal? I think it does. I think you can share via Facebook and see what other people are doing. But I actually yeah. haven't do. I, I never kind of do that kind of sharing with friends. I have to say, <laughs> and and frankly, I'll tell you why. Actually, it's interesting because I only really care what a very small number of my friends are doing. So, if there was a way to say, I'll connect on Facebook but only show me updates from these five people, I'd yep. do it. But unfortunately, you see all your friends. So if you've got a couple hundred friends, you say, I don't care what Frank is reading. I really need, you <laughs> there's, know, a, there's a tip for Facebook. I, I care what Ian's reading. I care what you're reading, but all these other – so that's why I never get yeah. these apps. That's a good social. point. You know, yeah. and I think this is one of those things about giving your time – Giving yourself time to think yeah. is about cutting stuff out that actually yeah. has no value to your day. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, just to say the opposite, I'm sure most people don't care what I'm reading. Exactly. So, you know, it's like, yeah, it goes both ways. All right, on to our podcast of the week, and we've talked about this before. It's Marketing School by Neil Patel and Eric Sue. So, Look, I think we should just put a recurring reminder every fourth episode we just promote this podcast again because <laughs> it's so good. I've it is fantastic. I've been listening to so many. I think it's my... Second, I listen to Moby a lot. I listen to PNR from the Content Marketing Institute uh, and this marketing school. I never, great. You know what? I never miss marketing school because yeah. there's always gold in those 10-minute slots. There is, yeah. yeah. Every single episode is fantastic, yeah. So I encourage you. All right, on to our quote of the week, Craig, as we end. And this is from Charles Duhigg. It says, by developing a habit of telling ourselves stories about what's going on around us, we learn to sharpen where our attention goes. And I think that's true. When I think about it, I think I believe it's true. Fantastic. No logic puzzles, Craig. No logic puzzle this week. So leave us a comment if you're missing that. (laughs) What do you reckon? Zero comments? (laughs) (laughs) No, let's take the comments off that. (laughs) Anyway, until next time, thanks for joining us. Leave us any comments if you have any. Join our Facebook group, join our WhatsApp group. And if you are in Sydney or you ever come to Sydney and you would love to catch up with us, please shoot us an email and we would happily make some time to talk to you guys. Until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.